Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. I am here without Paul again for this week, unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts again. But thankfully, we will not have to do a repeat of last week when I had to do it on my own. That was a bit of a mess. Apologize for that. But don't worry. I called it a pinch hitter for this week. I'd like to welcome to the show Mike Alberton from the Games My Mom Found podcast. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, great to be here. I'm glad you had me on. Good to have you on. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Awesome. Are you ready to talk about some Fallout? Yeah, a game that I I loved, yeah. All right. (laughs) But yes, I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Fallout. So, Mike, before we begin, how about you tell us a little bit about your show? Sure. Oh, I have a podcast called Games My Mom Found, where each week we dive into a retro game and kind of give you a review and talk all about it. And it ends up being a, a rant rave. And sometimes we end up off track and give you whale facts. But it's fun. <laughs> We've been doing it for about, uh, we have about 17 episodes up so far. So if you guys get a chance. Nice. Love you. Take a listen. But here we're, today we're talking all about Fallout, which I was excited that mm-hmm. you brought that up. Now, usually on your show, do you uh, do you usually review games that you've played before, or do you like play them specifically for the episode? Are they, are they new to you when you uh, play them for the episode? Some, most, uh, each each way we do it. Each time, one of the hosts will pick a will pick a game, and a lot of times it's something new that the other guys haven't played. Sometimes it's stuff that we never played at all, and we wanted to introduce it. Like I picked Super Metroid one week because I really wanted to try it finally, and it, mm-hmm. it was it was what pushed me over the edge to finally play that game after like 15, 20 years. Yeah, right. And uh, and you did do an episode about Fallout. Yes. Uh, is that one that you uh, j- just played recently, or is that one that you've uh, been pl- that you've played before? It was my first time. I had played Fallout three many years ago, but this was my first time ever digging right. into the the first Fallout. <laughs> and what were your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, I mean, the game. There's, I know there's a lot going on. I know it's a good game. Like there were things that I hated because here I am not used. I'm not used to the language that the game is speaking. I'm not used to P- PlayStation. I'm not PlayStation. I'm not used to PC games. I'm not used to PC RPGs. So I'm not used to using a mouse and keyboard. So here I am in a world where I don't understand the language I'm reading. I don't understand the tools I'm using, and I'm trying to go on this grand adventure. And I was striking out. Most of the time, like I, I missed so much stuff in that game. I mean, I got to a point where I'm just like, I got to get the, got to get the water chip. Got to get the water chip. That's all I cared about. That's right. You know, the funny thing about that too, is that you don't even really need the water chip to finish the game. You can skip it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny. That, that's one of the things I really liked about this game. One of the things that really appealed to me uh, in the beginning, the very first time I played it, way back, I guess is the late nineties now, uh, is that. It was so open-ended that there really were only two objectives that you needed to do and how you got there. Uh, there was a little bit of structure to guide you there, but it really ultimately didn't concern with itself with how you got there as long as you just did those two things. Just two places you need to blow up, and as long as you blow them up, the game's good. <laughs> and you have a lot of time. Like That time limit got me nervous when you first start playing, but it really you have so much time to get the water chip. Plus, you can even make the time the time limit longer. Which was also, mm-hmm. I never did, because they're like, if you do this, the mutants will, somebody will find you. Um, so I never did it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I've ever not found, uh, I don't think I've ever run out of time, basically. I, I think there is uh, something you could do to send water or something, or you get like an extra supply to in get, the, uh, give them more time. In the hub, there's a water merchant you can talk to. Right, yeah. It's it's an but, interesting it, game. It's cool, because it's like, yeah, it's great, because I, I don't. It gives you that sort of sense of urgency, but it doesn't actually give you like um, 
it, it doesn't inhibit you. You're, it still encourages you to explore. And it is entirely possible to finish the game without actually even finding the water chip. Because uh, if you just want to go around shooting everything and blowing everything up, eventually you will just happen to do, you'll just happen to blow up the two things that you need to do to win the game. That was one of one of my problems with the game is I, I my stats were so wrong for what the game is. I didn't, I was trying to follow a guide and put my stats in the right direction, but I, was like, I couldn't kill anybody. My biggest hard hitter on my team was dog meat. He killed everyone that I killed. It was a freaking dog. <laughs> I, my guy would miss. My guy couldn't, was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I remember, and I remember on your show, you were talking about how there's sort of like a right way to do it. And if you don't do it the right way, like you basically have to like, uh, I forget if it was you or one of your co-hosts was talking about how they had to basically play the game and then replay it the correct way. One of my co-hosts, okay. he, he, he was the one that made us play Fallout, which was, I thought was funny because he loves the games. And at the time we had first started, we didn't talk a whole lot outside of the show. So he didn't give me the hints that I needed about this game. So I was going in very blind <laughs> until we recorded. No, if you don't, if you, I didn't, I didn't do my stats right. I mean, because if you don't do your stats right, you're not going to hit very strong. You're not going to be able to hack things if you don't put your stats in the right. If you try to be a jack of all trades, you're just going to fail. Because that's how I felt. Uh, which is kind of interesting because I, I actually did not feel that way myself. Is because I the, that's one of the great things I liked about this particular game is that it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to min max your character the way a lot of other RPG, especially on the computer a lot of those games do and i find that like it actually is there is always a benefit to having points somewhere and i kind of end up being as long as you have like a strong combat specialty you can basically do whatever you want with everything else because it is very the first time through it will be very combat centric and there are ways to do pacifist runs and um you know you use dialogue to bypass a lot of combat but uh, first time playing through, as long as you just choose one specialty, in my case, it was just like pistols and rifles. And that's all you needed. That's all I needed. And then everything else is sort of like, oh, I, I need to uh, I need to hack more. Therefore, I'll throw a bunch of points into hacking and now I can hack and I can get through that part. Like the way you beat, I mean, for the two missions that we were talking about earlier, both of them I did through stealth and hacking. I didn't kill anybody because I couldn't. Mm. <laughs> my guy couldn't take down a super mutant no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, and you had the option to do that though. It was great. Yeah. You you could just stealth and hack. It it was very. I mean, I had a hard time freaking doing the stealth just because I didn't have the stealth boy. I had some stats and stealth, but not the best. But he he made it by. I was able to sneak by and do what I had to do, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. It was cool. The game lets you do it. And, hey, there's even that secret ending if you uh, tell the super mutant that you're a human when you're inside uh, Necro Necropolis. I think it is. Yes, that's right. I, I believe so. Yeah, it's Necropolis. How do you pronounce it? So, but... Sound like that. Sound like that, yeah. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of telling the mutant in the dialogue choices that I was a human or take me to your leader. He's like, okay, and then you get dipped into a vat of acid. I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, uh, yeah, that's that. They're, they kind of really want people like you for their things, so. I wasn't too happy when I found that but it's great because uh, one of the other things, too, about this game is that it was very, um, uh, for its time especially, as far as my gaming experience was concerned, like, there was obviously a lot of games with Easter eggs in it. But this one in particular had the nerdy Easter eggs, like the things that you wouldn't really think people would reference. I think that's really what endeared it to a lot of people in a very enduring way, is that people remember, oh, that's the game that like referenced Red Dwarf and Doctor Who and Monty Python and all these things. Like It was... Um, 
and I, I get that that's not has nothing to do with the actual game mechanic, but I think that's sort of like that that's a sort of like established that sort of feeling for a lot of people that they're playing a game with a friend, like the game was their friend because they're like it, the game is into the things that they're into. Which which does make sense. Like it does have a Doctor Who reference you just mentioned where you find the. I don't watch Doctor Who, but I know it. Um, the phone booth. <laughs> the TARDIS. And this game TARDIS, came yeah. out in 97. So I don't think, because Doctor Who didn't even have his resurrection yet. Where, where what's, Not yet. What makes it so huge in, in today's market, it, it hadn't happened mm-hmm. yet. So, I mean, that's also mm-hmm. kind of a, an interesting thing. It didn't pick something that was popular. It picked something that they found popular that other people wouldn't have known existed. Because I didn't know what the hell Doctor Who was in 97. I barely know now, yeah. but I know it exists. <laughs> they were, I think, they were... If it came out in ninety seven, that puts it about one year, I think, after the um the Doctor Who made for T V movie, which I'm pretty sure did not win it very many fans. Because ninety seven is long before Christopher Eccleston. Yes. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's like at least ten years okay. in between. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I know of it's, Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and it's a great uh I, I love the revival. I love um the reboot. Or not even reboot. It's just a revival. Yeah. Uh, the revival series, uh, and it's great. But you're you're right. A lot of the time that they made this these references was before Doctor Who references were quite what they are now. It, you know, it picked things that weren't common to try to get you. Cause the, I mean, one thing about the world is that it's constantly changing. You can play through the entire game and not see some of the random encounters that you will get on the world map, such as the TARDIS, such as a alien ship just sitting there crashed. I mean, there's stuff that, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't, you would never know it's in the game if you just didn't happen to come across it. Because when like all four of us played through it, only only I got the TARDIS. The other ones, they didn't get it. It's just how right. this game is just. There's so many random encounters that don't really happen, which I thought was very interesting too. They put stuff in there you're not going to see. One of the other things too is there's a very rewarding Easter little Easter egg in there, in which one of the characters, I think it's um not a major character, but it is a character that you basically uh, will always encounter. I think just the way it's sort of set up. You have to like walk into a town. And he's like a character that will. Uh, I, I think he like if you walk close to him, he'll stop you and talk to you. And his name turns out to be Dangerous Dan McGrew, which is a reference to like one episode of Red Dwarf. Just out of nowhere, is this sort of like? And I just happened to get that reference. And I think back at the time when references weren't quite so spammed out uh, on the internet, it was really cool to be like, hey. I understand that reference. That was from one episode of Red Dwarf that no one else understands, but they threw that in there just to see who would. Because I wouldn't. Have. I know what Red Dwarf is, but I never actually watched it, so I wouldn't have gotten that reference either. It's a, <laughs> it's a very interesting game. Like as as I as I have told people before, if you haven't played it before, it's something to try just because it's so unique, especially for its time. But it just it's not an easy game to dive into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's actually one of the yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's the first time you've ever, like, the first time doing anything is really going to be a little bit tricky. But um, I think the, I, I think as far as they go, Fallout is probably one of the more accessible ones to get into for a computer RPG, for a PC uh, RPG. Just because it's, uh, like I said, it's a, just that a little bit more forgiving than most of them really are. And my character was terrible then because I couldn't do it. It wasn't forgiving for me. I, <laughs> I, I, I stacked him so wrong in that game. Oh. Uh, he was terrible. Well, you, you got through it, and you got through it by stealthing and hacking, and that's that's a valid that's a valid way. No one said it had to be an action RPG, and but you know that's just sort of how people go. I, I had I had good speech skills. Like if you like for when like when you do the very end with the unity thing, <laughs> I got through that completely through speech because I couldn't fight him. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's definitely an option, and I love that it's there. There's, uh, I'm sure you probably, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you actually did this in a playthrough, but uh, you might probably, if you researched it, they actually discourage min-maxing. Because if you try to crank down your intelligence to uh, bump up your other stats, they actually completely like wipe out your dialogue choices for everything other than like guttural sounds and grunts and, <laughs> and nonsensical like. Bleh, bleh. I I know you're talking. I didn't do it, but I read about it before I, when I was trying to figure out the stats for him. They said, "Yeah, you just can't talk. <laughs> you just won't be able to talk yeah, to anybody in the much. game." <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of funny. They did that, and it's mind blowing too, especially at the time. Like you, you have to, you know. Um, I don't think anyone really ever s- speaks poorly of Fallout very often. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of the fact that I'm talking about it now, and you know, we try to defend underdog games, and it's hard to really say Fallout One is an underdog. But I admit that it probably might not have. I don't know. As far as an RPG goes for its time, I think it's aged pretty well. Uh, but at the same time, I know a lot of people. I've been kind of reading a lot about how more people generally prefer the Bethesda fallouts if that's where they started. And so it's kind of, uh, if you haven't started with the original fallouts, it might be harder to get into them. But, you know, one of the things you have to, people have to sort of understand about fallout was how mind blowing it was at its time. It was really just such an open world, such an open play experience and just such a, an amazing, um, environment game system it was just for its time it was mind-blowing i mean it still is like even when i was digging into it earlier this year and kind of just seeing all the things that are in the game it's still i mean the fact they made something like that in 97 it's still mind-blowing yeah for sure i know it's a it's a god what's the word i'm looking for a spiritual successor to uh wasteland i wish i never played yes that's correct i i also have not played i did not even learn about wasteland until very recently or not very recently but like a few years ago okay i thought maybe because i know you're more of a pc guy than i am i am not i'm a bit of both i'm a bit of both i I like the consoles too uh i'm just very much more of a uh i don't know what the term for it like they used to say western rpg i don't know if that's still really the term for it now but um it is okay I'm very much more of a Western RPG than I am a uh, Japanese-style RPG gamer. I'm a very, back when I was younger, especially in this time, very big Japanese RPG gamer. Still am, but very much back then. (laughs) And and I definitely loved them, or I loved some examples of them back in the day. And there are some that very well transcend, like uh, Chrono Trigger, for example, (laughs) really transcends the genre. Uh, But no, ultimately, I do generally prefer the Western RPGs, so that's kind of why... Um, a game like Fallout, you know, the the Western RPGs really progressed in huge incremental steps throughout the 90s, and Fallout was no difference. It was just like this huge step up. I, def- I would definitely agree with that. I mean, even though mm-hmm. I didn't play it till way later, I, I always knew what it was. I always knew it existed. Like when Fallout 3 came out, I was aware of the other two Fallout. I had played Fallout 2 before a couple times, but I never got very far. It's so like when I when right. I first played this the first time I was excited to dig to, to finally play this game and then I less excited <laughs> as the gameplay as the game wore on but I was very excited <laughs> to finally tackle it. It might be worth trying Fallout Two as well just because it is such an improvement over Fallout One. Uh, as much as I love Fallout One, Fallout Two just does everything a lot more and better. I really want to. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely on my list to tackle Fallout Two someday. Just to one for an episode, but two just to finally play the game that I couldn't that I couldn't really get anywhere when I was like god maybe 15 or so <laughs> and finally finish it. Yeah. 
especially now that you're warmed up for it and you kind of just understand it a little bit better, you'll be more prepared. Yeah, I, I, I know the weirdness and the stat building. I think Fallout 2 might be a little kinder with the stats, too, from what I've heard, if I'm remembering correctly. That is also very possible. It's, uh, I know it's a bigger game. I know 2 is a huge game, what I've seen, like when I looked up stuff about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1 is much more condensed. It's a much... I mean, you have a big open space, but there's only really a few areas. There's, you have a couple towns you go to. You have, like, what two, maybe three or four dungeons you have to go through in that sense of it. The water chip, mm-hmm. the cathedral, and the military base. Yeah, that's right. It's absolutely very much um, uh, the first game. It, it would be difficult to play. I think it was actually kind of a little bit weird after having played Fallout 2 to go back to play Fallout 1. Just because there was a lot more... Uh, <laughs> It it did feel a lot emptier after having played Fallout Two. I can you know, the that. first time, yeah. So the first time you pl- I played it, it was sort of like, oh wow, check out this the huge open world, and uh, there's so much stuff to do. And then the second time I played it after, uh, or actually not even the second time. Sorry, I should say just um, when I played it after playing Fallout Two, I was sort of like, wow, it's not a lot around here. Yeah, it's a, it. I mean, and I also like the fact that so much stuff is randomly generated. I was in a town, and I went up one screen. And I ended up in some abandoned area near the town, but it was a, just a death claw, just walking around. He had no reason <laughs> to be there. I don't know why he was there. I just, I completely just left right away. But I just like the fact that so much randomly generated things happen. Like my first trip to Necropolis, I was walking, I'm heading towards the marker, and I get into a random encounter, fight a bunch of just random bandits that are there. And I thought I was in Necropolis, and I'm like, oh, where's the town? Where's all the stuff I'm expecting? And then I realized I never made it to town. I got to the city, but I got into a random counter before I actually made it to the circle. <laughs> and it just, that's just how this game is. There's so much, there's so much things happening under the hood that you wouldn't, that you might not realize or even see your first time through. It was also, I think I remember it mentioned at one point on your, um, on your show. And again, I, I can't remember exactly if it was you or one of your co-hosts, because I know you have a few people there. Um, but somebody was mentioning how in one of the key mission locations with like the force fields, how Dogmeat just always got himself fried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he gets, he goes as he shouldn't go. <laughs> the the AI was in control. Like for me, when I was in the cathedral, I had to, that's why I finally had to kill Dogmeat because I couldn't sneak with him. Because if you go upstairs to try to sneak, <laughs> they see him, they attack you, and you can't, you can dismiss your other a, your other allies having to just wait outside. You cannot dismiss mm-hmm. Dogmeat. At least I couldn't. I see yeah. people do it on YouTube videos. I could not dismiss them, so I finally had to put a bullet in his head to stop him. I was not <laughs> aware that, that anyone actually did that. I was not aware that you could uh, tell Dogmeat to stay. Supposedly. Um, I couldn't. I don't remember how I handled Dogmeat in the lower, in the later, in that last little mission there, but I do know this is kind of like a funny thing is that uh, I had the, I actually bought Fallout 2 from a store, not, not the big box, just like the disc and the guts. And that's how I first played Fallout 2. But before that, I actually read through some of the manual and there's like at the back, there's like sort of like a, um, a journal of the original Fallout Dweller from Fallout 1, which sort of sums up his um, basically the canonical playthrough of Fallout 1, like what the character uh is assumed to have done That's cool. before going into Fallout 2. And he specifically mentions canonically that Dogmeat died from the force fields in that <laughs> last little spot. Okay, that is funny. Yeah. Oh, I bet a lot of people must have had that happen to him. We're like, we're going to write it in the manual. Pretty much, yeah. So they actually went ahead and said, yeah, that's basically where Dogmeat dies. That's hilarious. You can't really get further than that I with him. I think it's the military base has the force fields. 
I want to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I know when I did the military, I just snuck through and got out of there. But I'm pretty sure that's a place that has four fields that come up and when the alarm is triggering there, everybody's after you. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a number of years since I played it last, so I don't remember the details, but I, I'm pretty sure that is correct. We didn't. Me and Dogme didn't make it there because I killed him in the cathedral. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he almost killed me, too. That also explains how weak my character was. I had to wear power armor to finally be able to fight dog meat and kill him because he was doing too much damage to me. Like it was ridiculous. I could not kill him. That's why that's why people love dog meat. He's he was so useful. He was so good. Yeah. He um he he wasn't somebody that you had to worry about. He could take care of himself. Or I mean you could worry about him getting you in trouble, but he could always take him take care of himself in trouble. He couldn't fight super mutants though. I tried that. He got killed in one hit from the super mutants. <laughs> I mean, for this, for me, because oh, my first Fallout was three, so going back and playing this, I thought it was interesting seeing all the Super Mutants again and seeing how the story is uh, a little close, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and don't get me wrong, and I love Fallout three as well. I love Fallout three. I loved uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, I thought they were different, They're um, but I completely different games. I mean, that's yeah, it's a whole different. It's like comparing apples and. Like a like a banana, they're two. They're they're from the same. They're both a fruit, but they're completely different items. They're yeah, look completely different thing. Depending who you ask, it's basically comparing like an apple to a hamburger. That's that's a better. <laughs> that's a much better comparison yeah. where I was going. They're both food <laughs> items. Yeah, but uh, and I totally you know going into Fallout Three, I was totally upset that they didn't go with the Fallout One style because that's what I love. That's the kind of RPG that I love. But I thought they did it well i thought that if they were going to bring it into a first person style they brought in enough elements for it to be a familiar experience to the um, original fans yeah as well as appealing to the new ones i would agree i mean even though i wasn't an original fan but it it I, going back now and seeing after playing fallout one kind of see, and i haven't and seen all the things that were in that game there are so many similarities in three like the super mutants bringing them right back is some because if I can't I can't remember correctly, but are the super mutants in Fallout Two also? Um, I believe so. Uh, Fallout Two is surprisingly one that I have not played as much as I have played Fallout One, even though I love Fallout Two, and that's Fallout Two is actually the one I declare in my uh, top five favorite games of all time. <laughs> but um, I always play them so closely together. If I even make it to Fallout Two, that I always forget. If um, the super mutants are also in Fallout 2 okay. as well, I, you know, I'm almost tempted to think maybe they're not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they actually are, and I'm just forgetting because, like I said, it's always kind of blended into one whole experience to me. I know Fallout 2 has a lot more to do with the Enclave, which was also in Fallout 3, which is another callback to the older, the older, the two older games, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting because I didn't really know that until I was researching later on. That the Enclave, well, plus they're on the cover of Fallout 2 is the Enclave. That's an Enclave soldier, the power armor. That's right. Which I thought yeah. was kind of cool when I'm like, oh, yeah, they're the bad guys in Fallout 3. I thought that was a nice throwback. <laughs> That's that right. They, that yeah. they kind of did that with the third one where they're kind of trying to input the elements to get people excited and to bring new people on and still have all the old elements there. Just a completely different mm-hmm. style of game. I know people do love their Western RPGs. Like, I know you do. I, I wasn't one of them, but I can appreciate it for what it is. <laughs> When you played Fallout One, when you finished it, did your guy, um, did you kill the overseer? Uh no, I just left. Okay, I didn't care. There's I was actually, I was just happy credits were, ro- were about to roll. Yeah, because I think <laughs> there's um, there's two things that can happen. Number one, I believe if you played Fallout One just as being an asshole, 
I think it automatically lets uh, makes you kill the overseer at the end. Huh. But cool. if you were generally pretty good, they wouldn't do it automatically, but it would give you the option to do it if you so chose. Huh. I didn't try that just just because, well, one, he's sitting on a freaking uh, machine gun carrying... Normally, that's correct, yeah. yes. Does he come at down? The very, at the very end, yeah. At oh. the very end of the game, he'll, um, he kicks you out of the vault. And he's like, the two of you are standing like, in front of the vault. He's like, yeah, so you're not allowed back in, by the way. Huh. I can't remember And that. there's like a little moment where he... he I, I think the first time I played it, I even thought it was just a cutscene. Because he just like left me standing there and he like turned his back and walked into the vault. And apparently, if you actually wanted to you could take that time to kill the guy <laughs> and i kind of didn't even really realize that i don't think i've even done it personally myself because in subsequent playthroughs i've just been such an asshole that they just assumed that i wanted to and killed him for me <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny it's the it's the details there's the details of the game that really sell it um yeah and i think the fact that in fallout 2 and Fallout 1, there's like oh, so many aspects of the story that I don't even remember. It kind of just goes to show it's not even really about the story. Like the story is kind of there, but it's more about the experience. It's more about playing in that world and exploring that world. It's more about like the immersion of the experience than it is the actual plot. I think the later games, like from Fallout 3 onwards, they have a lot more of a story. But um, I just think that the the first couple games was just so much more just about the uh, about the atmosphere, the environment, and the experience. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because, I mean, you can go through a lot of... You can go through the first fall and miss a lot of what's happening in, in the story. Because I missed tons of stuff because I just... Mm -hmm. I would read what I had to, talk to what I had to, but I was just trying to kind of go through the game. And you get... You have such different experiences each time you play that game with all the all the mm -hmm. random encounter and just there's just so much to it that you might miss because you don't have to do it completely your choice yeah. how you play it yeah and that that's something that definitely stays very consistent throughout in fact i yeah. think uh it gets to the point that bethesda is kind of um, taking that a little too far with like uh, some of the follow games and definitely the elder scrolls games where it's just sort of like okay here's the main quest and here which is like 10 percent on the pie chart <laughs> like and oblivion here's yeah <laughs> and then here's the uh all the other thing, all the sub the side quests that you can do, and that's like the giant ninety percent of the pie chart. Yeah, because they they go crazy. I mean, this is just the beginning of it. It's not Bethesda, but it. I pronounce that name, <laughs> but this is just the, <laughs> not them. But this is just like a, the beginning of of that of that idea. Because mm -hmm. there's there's so much you can do, which was great at the time because I think it really hit that balance very nicely back then. Where it's just sort of like you could do the main quest, and I think for the most part, the first time, um, they kind of encourage you to stay on course of the main quest because you don't realize that you have a lot of time to find that water chair. Oh, yeah, I was nervous. But you don't have to... You, you eventually find out you really you don't, don't need, need to be, to be nervous. nervous. <laughs> I think then you kind of have a lot more just, oh, I can I can just sort of do more... Do, I can do side quests and that's when you sort of play and just sort of snoop around and be like, hey, here's stuff I can do that I didn't do last time. I And I totally can do them. It's definitely... I mean, and it's interesting to see that it's getting so... That I mean, because back then with Fallout One and Two, I don't think it was ever like a household name type thing. Like people, people who liked it loved it, but a lot of the mm -hmm. world didn't know it exists really until you had three and four. That, well, especially well, three and then New Vegas and four really make it a, 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 a regular staple now. That's correct. Like everyone knows Fallout now. 
And uh, that, that is very true. I remember the early 2000s. I'm saying even as late as like 2006, possibly. I, I Actually, when did Fallout 3 come out? 2008. I had 2008. Okay. So, <laughs> so it was probably like 2006 or so, like very close to when they came back um, that I was on message forums uh, and I was such a big Fallout fan that I'd have like, I'd always make Fallout references and I had like the Fallout logo as my avatar. I'd always have to explain. I'd always have to go on about, oh, Fallout's such a great game. Has anyone played Fallout? And no one did. <laughs> like very few people did. And so when I've actually finally found out that they're making Fallout 3, I was just like, why would anyone like I'm happy to see this come back, but why did anyone decide to bring Fallout back? Because <laughs> no one knew it. And it turns out that actually no, pe- a lot of people loved it and very passionately loved it. We were just such a small little group of people. Yeah, because it's just the one PC. I mean that that I think is a big part because it never I mean it can't it didn't really come to console for two thousand four with the Brotherhood of uh, Brotherhood of Steel. Which came out in PS2 yeah. and Xbox back in 2004, but that was not a uh, not a hit. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it was even a hit with the Fallout fans. No, I I don't know much about it, but I I know I've never heard, I know people don't like it. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I'd I'd like to gi- I'd like to give it a try just because it's um more supposed to be like a Diabloish kind of um just dungeon crawler. That's cool. Sort of thing. So yeah. Which is not the reason you really want to play a Fallout game, but I I do like that style of game too. So it'd be nice to see what it'd be uh, to uh, mix between them. Yeah, I mean that it looks interesting. It's something that I definitely need to track down someday and try because mm-hmm. I I like oh I love bad games. I love playing games that no one knows. That that's one of one of my things. I don't do the whole lot on the show, but I, I most of my collection of games is a lot of real niche things that I'd walk into a game shop and be like, oh, I've never seen this before, and it'd be some weird Japanese game, be like $10, and I'll buy it. Might never play it, mm-hmm. but I'll buy it and put it in my collection. I love stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I I, I, I gave, kind of gave up on that just because I did once, I think I um, quote-unquote found like every Nintendo game ever. In digital copies, uh, I'll <laughs> leave you to fill in the blanks I, on that one. I, I, but, um, so I understand. Yeah, and um, and I totally went through. This. I was like, "Oh man, I, I love that." There's like hundreds of games I've never played before, and I discovered that there's a reason why we only remember a dozen <laughs> and Nintendo games. It's Some like it's awful. not even the kind of games where it's sort of like, oh, I, this is so bad, it's good. It's just sort of like, what the hell is this? Like how somebody spent like $90 on this at some point in time. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just like you go back and play a game, like, you know, playing Fallout, playing something that's back for, you know, 10, 20 years ago, and just the experience is so different. All the things that we're used to nowadays, they aren't, they're not there yet. Like all the quality of life mm-hmm. <laughs> upgrades that we're used to, checkpoints. Yeah. There weren't. There didn't. A lot of games didn't have a lot of checkpoints. And Fallout, if you didn't save, well, you're gonna be in trouble. You don't save often. Yeah. The game ain't gonna ain't gonna yeah. save for you. Oh yeah. No, we, we we were used to that back then. Like, uh, actually, it's funny because it's funny you say that because Fallout was like huge quality of life improvements for us at that time. <laughs> I can believe. <laughs> I I only games I really played during this time, and I played a lot of RTSs at this time. In the night, in the, mm, in the yeah, 90s. I Fallout was one I just never, just never got to, unfortunately. Well, sort of, unfortunately, but because <laughs> I hated this game when I did my episode. Oh, but it's been months <laughs> have passed, and I've kind of toned down. Like, and I can, I can see it for what it did and what it was, and appreciate it. I just yeah. will never, never play it again. <laughs> <laughs> 
which, which I get. It's the, the, there's a very large divide between people who like um, uh, Japanese style RPGs, or sorry, not the people who like them, but the, there's a large divide between a Japanese style RPG and a Western style RPG. Oh yeah, especially at this time, because I like I like in RPGs being able to level up and make myself stronger, get new equipment. In this game, you can, but it doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> it, it's gradual. It's very gradual. I like it to kind s- of. I like to sit down, put a, put a podcast on, and just sit and grind for two hours in an RPG and just keep doing random battles. I can't do that in this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. Mm-hmm. No, and it's also... Uh, I also find that, uh, especially with the Japanese style, and I say Japanese style just to uh, bypass that whole argument of like, oh, does it have to be Japanese to be a JRPG? Um, uh, so I say Japanese style RPG. Japanese style fits. Uh, but I think a more fitting term for that would be uh, would actually be adventure games with RPG elements, although that's a bit of a mouthful, so that doesn't really catch on. But that's how I would really classify it to be the most accurate. They're adventure games with RPG elements. Yeah, that's a very good a good term for it because it narrows it all down. But yeah, but uh, for especially for someone who loves and couldn't get enough of the uh, Western style RPGs. Uh, going from something like Dark Sun, which I think was only just a couple years, you know, yeah, I never heard of Dark this. Sun was probably just like a few years before, um, and I loved Dark Sun because that was like a huge open game for me, and then going from that to Fallout, and it was just like the the graphics were completely uh, blowing away, the animation was completely blowing away, the immersion, everything was just amazing, like, and I still love Dark Sun. You can look it up; um, it's actually available on GOG. There's two games. There's uh, Dark Sun Shattered Lands and Dark Sun Wake of the Ravager. Uh, they're both great. Shattered Lands more so than Wake of the Ravager. But it's interesting. It's um, it, it it's great, and I could do a whole other episode, but just on <laughs> Dark Sun alone. But it's, I'm gonna have uh, to try these now. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. I'd love to hear what you uh, think about it. We can probably have you back on uh, at a time when once you've uh, given it a shot. But uh, yeah, you could definitely feel it's. Yeah, you know, well, obviously the proper predecessor to Fallout was Wasteland. I don't even know when that one came out. Oh, that's just that's kind the, of a I, new game to me. I think it's the '80s, the first. Oh, jeez, really? I'm gonna maybe oh, wow. I'm wrong. Maybe it's the early '90s. I've seen screenshots of it. It, it doesn't look clean, <laughs> to put mm-hmm. it simple. It, it's you can tell that it wasn't. <laughs> it's pretty old at this point. To put it nicely, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna pull it up though real um, fast while. But it, no, I mean, because that's what Fallout, because they didn't get the rights to it, so that's why they made Fallout. Yeah, 1988 was Wasteland. Oh, wow. Wow, that must have been, that must have been mind-blowing for its time. Yeah, I mean, everything I've, I've, I've looked at screenshots of it, it's a very, well, it's a game made in the late 80s. But yeah. <laughs> it, from everything I've heard, everyone talked about, people really liked it. I mean, that's why you have, like, that's why you had the petition for Wasteland 2 that came out recently. Because people That's right. still had all these great memories of it. Um, I want to say Interplay couldn't get the rights from whoever published the first um, Wasteland, so they had so they went with Fallout, which is essentially Wasteland, but they they had their own name. They were able to do what they wanted. Yeah. And then somebody bought the rights to Wasteland, and then yeah, Wasteland too. That's a whole other thing, but <laughs> which I never played either. Anyways, uh, so I think that's about all I am able to talk about Fallout 1. Uh, I, we've already strayed off topic <laughs> a, little a bit, bit yes. but um, <laughs> so I think that's a good sign to say that I'm about done. But are there any, like, is there anything you want to throw in 
uh, last thoughts on Fallout from your perspective? Well, one thing I wanted to mention that in Fallout, we we kind of brief about it when you when you do finally find. I think it was the Master was his name, the the super mutant. Yeah, computer. that's right. Um, unfortunately, I had that spoiled for me because I was watching one of those Watch Mojo videos, so I knew who he right. was before I got there. But just the fact that you're able to talk your way out of it, you're able to kill him, you're able to blow up the nuke next to him, and just when he's talking to you, he's glitching out while talking to you, which I just thought was so freaking creepy and cool, and definitely was mm-hmm. something that was going to stick with me, even though I'll, even though I don't like this game, it will stick with me for a long time. <laughs> Fair enough. Is there any, um, just before we uh, call it into the episode, are there any uh, shout outs or plugs that you'd like to make for yourself <laughs> yes, if, or for others? If you guys get a chance, please take a listen to my podcast called Games My Mom Found. We're on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, just about everything. Uh, take a look. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great show. I've uh, listened to a few of the episodes. <laughs> it's um, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's great. It's uh, You have the 17 episodes that are getting better each time. We're learning. It's and- uh, it's a really cool, yeah, and it's a really cool concept. Um, just, you know, playing the games and, uh, you know, a lot of the classic games, playing a lot of the classic games now and sort of like mulling over how they are uh, today. Oh, but I did want to... Oh, I did want to say congratulations on becoming, you're not a statistic anymore. I was reading the thing where 50% of all podcasts that start don't make it past episode seven and 25% of those don't make it past episode 25. <laughs> so I just, That's right. That's so right. you're no longer a statistic anymore. You made it past. <laughs> I, I think um, because I obviously, uh, we're, we're in the same group that kind of uh, delightfully points that out all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of one of the motivating factors for me was this where they said, um, you know, uh, 25% of that 50% or something like that really don't make it past 25. I was sort of like, hold my beer. I'm doing this. <laughs> you know? hey, I just, I just want, I was waiting to shout that out because I thought that was cool. <laughs> well, thank you. It's great to, uh, yeah, I, I, for, I forgot that you're a part of that group too. That always, that always points that out. I ignore and it's, uh... most things in that group, but yeah, I'm part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's appropriate that uh, you should be, um, I guess when I crossed that line. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I just thought that was cool. Well, thank you very much. It's been uh, great having you on the show. It's been great uh, chatting with you. It's great to have a host from another podcast <laughs> on here to uh, to kind of mix up the style a little bit. And it, more so, it's great for me to not do a solo <laughs> show again. It was fun to be on. It was fun to talk about Fallout again and just the series too. Uh, and I'd love to have you on again once uh, once Paul is back too because he definitely... Yeah, he, he definitely adds a lot to the conversation that I don't bring to the table. So <laughs> it'd be great to have uh, the three of us all chatting it up. I'd be up for it. Definitely. So, yeah, you're you're welcome back anytime. If you ever have a game that you want to talk about and you want to um, take a break from being the host of your own show, you're uh, welcome to knock on our door anytime. <laughs> okay, you got it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you all for joining us again. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.